I'm Keith Baker, creator of Eberron, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about the open gaming license. In the news, a quick look at Dragonlance Shadows of the Dragon Queen, Keith Baker is returning to Eberron, the Rivers of London RPG gets a release date, and more, plus a brand new sketch about the dangers of the pursuit of holiday savings. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, this sorry excuse for a podcast is sponsored by Lilith's Mattresses. Lilith's Mattresses have a unique combination of high-performance straw and hypoallergenic newt-scale filling, which delivers contouring pressure relief, core support, and a guaranteed 87% lice-free sleep. That just sounds awful. In my experience, people need a few lice to remind them that they're alive. Nothing like a good rash to focus the mind. Well, I suppose if you want to spend good money on a glorified sack of straws, I suppose you should get one. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Rollers. Russ, as ever, it is a delight to be here once more, and with us, joining us in one of the last but not the last podcast of 2022. It's the one, it's the only, it is the most awfully cheerful, it's... It's me, Jessica from EN Publishing, and we are coming up to near the end of the year. Yes. So, oh, it's, still, it's still technically November, we've got a while yet. Yeah, Two but there's only like four or five it's like less than podcast sessions left for the, of oh, the yeah, year. Yeah, I suppose so, and then it'll be Christmas! I've got a listener question this week. Oh. Is it? So the question this week is from Ben Rogers, who would like to know, mm-hmm. when you think about the best experiences you've had playing... Yeah. What did the GM or the other players do to make that so great? <laughs> what lessons did you take from the experience that changed the ways you play or run games? I have an answer immediately. Okay. Oh. So first I'll tell you what my best gaming uh, yes. session is, which I, I might have mentioned a little bit before, but it was at the end of season one of my long-term campaign uh, and we were doing this big fight for the Unchained Oblivion. And pretty much there were like physical and magical chains that were holding back this big evil god. And if the chains broke and they got loose, they would destroy the whole world. Your classic. In a nutshell, this is me summarizing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's the classic thing. Uh, but these chains were in like cross different dimensions and all this stuff mm-hmm. was going on. And my GM had spent two years playing our game, building up to this, but also every single of the D&D like one shot or ca- mini campaign they'd played elsewhere was all part of the same thing. So it was like an MCU style thing. And yeah. all of us got together. There's about 20, 20, 25 of us that got together and played this fight together. So we had multiple GMs running different chains in different locations. Wow. So beforehand in character, we had to strategize about who is going where, what teams do we send, what groups do we strategize to send. And once we we're at those places, we couldn't communicate because it was cross dimensions and, mm. you know, um, and a lot of us were like level 15. So it was quite cool high level play a lot of stuff Mm. going on and it was just such an epic day and it felt Mm -hmm. really fun because it was like the 
culmination of all these different people and some people I actually hadn't even met before because they'd done mm. a completely different campaign to me but they were still related in the world um and it was great and the main thing for me I think that made it awesome was the sense of community it sounds lame sense of community that we had as a group mm-hmm. and I think that's yeah. why a lot of people play tabletop role-playing games is it's an excuse to sit mm. and hang out with your friends yeah. And it felt like we were part of this big, epic thing. And we hadn't known from the beginning that the games we were playing were all going to be interlinked and having this, you know, multiverse uh, effect. Mm. But that was really awesome for me. And that was like a one-off, really big, epic thing we did. And that was in mm. like 2019. And yeah, I still think about that. And that's one of my most favorite gaming experiences. And the thing that made it awesome was just everybody coming together to do an awesome, big, epic thing. It feels like because it's an event... Mm. That kind of lends an sort of air of excitement and importance mm-hmm. to it. Mm. So it wasn't like a regular gaming session. It was an actual event, which you probably knew was coming up. And, yeah. You know, that sort of thing. It was the culmination of two years yeah. worth of gaming as well for different mm. people. And afterwards, we sat and talked about it because different people had had different campaigns and stories that led to it. Mm. So I was mm. like, what, what's the deal with your character? Because I kind of saw them doing this, but I had no clue, um, mm. you know. But it was, yeah, so that for me, I think... That does feel quite MCU-y to me. It does, and a lot of my DM's games are like that. And he is actually, David Smith, if you're going to Dragon Meat, running a Level Up Advanced 5th Edition game there. And my current campaign is Level Up Advanced 5th Edition. So I don't know if this one shot might impact my world. So if you want to go and ruin my actual gaming world, you have the chance at Dragon Meat next week. Um, But yeah, so if you want to sign up for that on the website. But um, but yeah, he has a sneaky habit of doing that within a a game setting, obviously. But yeah. So that is my my thing. And obviously that's not something you can do very often. And we've done that once in like the four or five years we've been gaming and mm-hmm. we'll probably try and do it again. But obviously it's quite a lot of effort for all the GMs to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's a big thing to set up. Yeah. But that is my big awesome thing. Okay. What about you, Peter? Uh, I don't know if it'd be like anything big or flashy per se, but um, I've been like gaming and stuff since university, but it was um, actually a small pub in London where I first came across the idea that you could consciously have a practice of GMing because I start, because like, you know, it's like, this is over a couple of years, but I noticed that the, like the guy was a regular GM. Every time he started a new campaign, there'd be sort of like a certain pattern to the events, mm. which was like we would, before we did something, there'd be like sort of like a little exploration of the rules, like in game. But with like lower stakes and then building up to bigger stakes, mm-hmm. which I am going to blame on the fact that the guy was a teacher or is a teacher. I don't know. Might still be for all I know. I haven't seen him in the best part of 10, 12 years. So from that, I was like, oh, okay. So you can actually think about things before you don't just, you don't just like run them. You just can do prep. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's more like the analytical nature of the prep. Which mm-hmm. is thinking consciously and analysing well, yeah. what what are we planning to do? Well, if you're a teacher, it's like structuring a lesson, maybe. I suppose. Yeah. I, I, I would say very much so, and that sort of reflection and also reflecting, um, and that sort of mindset then got me into thinking about after a session, what could I have done better, and how could I do it? Not in a oh, I'm the worst GM in the world because obviously I'm not. There are plenty worse out there, um, <laughs> but in the sense that. I'm looking to improve, reflect upon my practice and make it better. The idea of having a GMing practice is, again, something that I can pretty much attribute to those sessions in, um, oof, 20, crikey, 
2009 to 2012, I would say, yeah. Mm. Interesting times. Okay. Well, I hope we've answered your question there, Benjamin, because um, I can't actually think of an answer for myself. Um, I've been racking my brains. I think some of the, sometimes the little things, mm. just like, I mean, it sounds so trivial, but mm. people all like throwing in and bringing snacks and just tiny little things like that, mm. which just, you know, just just like the little courtesies, the yeah. engagement the in, the, aspects, in the session. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I think some of that really helps yeah. just the, as well. Is it the community thing, like I was saying, yeah. pretty much, yeah. when it's just yeah. a nice mm. vibe of people? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I think that's, that's, that's often important. And, mm. um, and it's something that I feel you don't get so much when you play on Zoom and stuff. At least I personally mm. don't. Um, you, you don't still, get it at all. Well, you get a, a, you get a certain element of community, but not not anywhere near the same amount. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, in person gaming is always better for me because it's just social mm. hanging out with people. But on online, mm. you can still make that, but you have to make more of a, a conscious bo- effort to do that. Body language and eye contact and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, none of that you can really do on Zoom. Well, I mean, it's it's you can do things. It's just like a there are certain ways and means. For instance, I find like the Roll Twenty voice is awful, so I use Discord. But Discord also is a video. But I don't like using that because often I want to have like a visual aid in front of me. So I use a Roll Twenty thing. And maybe you can do that on other things. So you can also see mm. basically like little videos in the corner. And that helps with so much, just being able to see when people are about to start talking. Like, helps a lot. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I do miss the society of people getting together in gaming. Yeah. 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 Right then. So, shall we move on with the news? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, the biggest bit of news, I suppose, is that Dragonlance became available via for, for early access for people who pre-ordered it this week. Mm-hmm. In PDF format. Uh, um, not PDF. They don't do PDFs. No. Um, oh, so you've got to be logged into DMB Beyond and use their interface. Oh, yeah, you that's right. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you can't download it in any way or anything okay. like that. Um, mm. I've got it. Um, I've got it in front of me right now. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, we're not going to go into Dragonlance in massive detail this week. We might do that next week yeah. when the book is actually out for everybody. Mm. But I thought maybe I could just like touch on a couple of bits and pieces. Yeah. What's Since, since, since I've got it here and lots of people word? have been talking about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there, so one of the things that we discussed previously is like things like Kenda and how they're going to approach Kenda. Yeah. What the final version of Kenda is going to be like and things like that. So I've got that right in front of me right now. I've got the Kenda. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you what they've done with Kenda. So do you remember the playtest version? The Ernata Kana one with the multi-dimensional pockets that they could pull things from other dimensions from and weird stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I recall seeing that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. so basically they've gotten rid of, rid of the thievery aspect of Kenda. That's right. But they kind of wanted to keep the, the trinkets aspect. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they turned it into like some kind of weird multi-dimensional pocket where you could just pull things from other dimensions, which okay. I assume got a lot of very bad feedback because that's just weird and not even vaguely kind of like. I, I mean, like potentially for some sort of new heritage, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that okay. working. But yeah, it does. It's like the the those of recused kind of oh yeah yeah they're just like weird little things. You whatever you do, don't stick your kinder in a bag of holding. Because that's going to go super, yeah. that'll go super <laughs> wrong, guys. Super right. wrong. Anyway, so the kind of we got, we got. So humanoid, small, speed 30 feet. Right. Uh, they are fearless. Um, fearless in this context is advantage on saving throws, 
against a fighting condition, and once a, once per long rest, you can automatically succeed on one of those saving throws. Okay. Uh, we've got Kenda Aptitude, which basically gives you proficiency in one of a number of skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got the Taunt ability, which is uh, an ability to basically wisdom saving throw, or they have disadvantage on targets other than you. And that's especially it. That's your Kenda. There's nothing to do with the thievery or the trinkets or any of that stuff in there. They've removed that completely. Okay. okay. So this Taunt ability, that's based off what? Charisma? Uh, well, so uh, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma chosen when you set this race. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, you choose which one. And it's what? Proficiency bonus per long uh, Eight proficiency bonus plus modifier, yeah. No, that's the DC. What's the... Uh, how many times can you use it? Oh, I see. Uh, proficiency bonus per long rest. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which is their um, standard thing these days, isn't it? They do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's the first example of, like, a really good taunt ability. You've got stuff like the Cavalier and so mm. forth. But, yeah, this is a bit of vicious mockery, maybe. But this is, the, like, the first time I've seen it in as part of a heritage. So that's, mm. that's good. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about the thievery aspect going away completely. I get why it was problematic, mm. but also Kenders with their pouches full of stuff really mm. is an iconic thing. Yeah, and that I, I suppose you just role play that. I guess, I guess. just say that's the, that's yeah. the personality trait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just feels a bit um, feels a bit disappointing, and and like they're a slightly faster halfling. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, I understand why you want to remove problematic elements from older books, but like, you don't just want to like erase all the cool things about it. You know, you need to, no. yeah, you need to give something else. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it's like you might make, say, a Kenta culture which has slate of hand or some sort of related ability. Yeah. That would be a thing that you could do. Well, they give you they give you the aptitude thing, so you can choose slate of hand for that. Yeah. yeah, or stealth or something. Yeah, so they, they kind of nod to it there, I think, but yeah. it's kind of a nod rather than a. Well, yeah. well, well, well they, they, they are left with the same problem that they're always left with, which is the it's very biologically determinist. If you're an elf, you can use a longbow. Doesn't mm. matter if you grew up at the bottom of a mine shaft with a bunch of dwarfs, you can use a longbow as soon as you pick it up. Mm. And so having a whole uh, heritage of people that are naturally good at stealing things does seem like it would lead to a yeah, lot of yeah. problems yeah. you know like that, yeah. that would be that would that would that would that would cause issues whereas like yeah. you know, if you had a culture separately then you'd be able to do it it's my mm. nervous yeah. laughing at the situation there yeah yeah i guess maybe the the, the uh, cultural consultants were like guys guys you cannot yeah i mean let's <laughs> start no. with the tasha style um floating ability score increases yeah, yeah. floating languages yeah. and, and, you know that sort of stuff so mm-hmm. they've, they've taken a step towards that in the last couple of years but not not as far as they could have done i mean looking at the dwarves because that was another thing that we discussed mm. it was yes um so they mentioned mountain dwarves and hill dwarves no mention of um gully dwarves, uh, gully dwarves at all which, which which again it's like kind, kind of sad it's like Fan favourites. Well, I don't. I yeah. don't know. Would it be fun to play one? It'd be. It'd be interesting because people are very interested in flawed characters. Well, it certainly wouldn't be fun to play one of the ones has previously depicted. I don't think. Well, no. I think I've... some people. You have to agree if whether or not you want to play on prejudice in a setting. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like for some people, they're like that's part of my character's development and they're being also, like you know. Would you want to underdog. play a character who is predetermined as being essentially 
Well, Incompetent. life's losers, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that doesn't sound fun. I mean, I well, was thinking that from Rolte Hatsby. I was like, that does sound, yes. I, oh, yes. Fair enough. <laughs> I usually, most of my characters have a big obvious, they're not optimised and there's a big obvious weakness there. And that's usually quite li- obvious because yeah. I like to hand that to the GM then as a story thing to poke if they want this, to. But this is kind of less not optimised and more de-optimised in every possible way. <laughs> I oh. I could I could think of a way to to play that. But but everyone likes to play games differently and yeah, no. Dungeons and Dragons maybe know their audience and know that the majority of people would not like that. Yeah. Therefore, ha. and also I think as we mentioned it's really difficult to do that well mm-hmm. in a way that's mm. not like I, I think it's a question so. of like flavor and mechanics mm. and mm. um yeah like Having having the correct flavor for a character and mechanics mm-hmm. to support it, mm-hmm. uh, and flavoring the mechanics so it's supported properly. For instance, Cobalt's uh, had a Grovel Karen Beg, which used to be really good um, in a sort of very flavor. It wasn't like the best use of your action, but it was kind of useful, mm-hmm. and it was very characterful for how they wanted mm-hmm. Cobalt to be seen. Mm-hmm. So that's that that's also been taken out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a small race which moves thirty foot, which makes them look more like team monster than a team team hero but yeah whatever what is a but hero looking, what is a monster looking anyways. at the draconians right mm-hmm. um, okay. oh yes we've got draconians so, and they've got the stats for draconians as monsters mm-hmm. so i'm looking at the bars draconian most of them look fairly similar mm. not the bars draconian's got an interesting change uh which one was the bars stone the first oh, okay. one at the bottom the what's, minor one what's so, the change so previously mm-hmm. the uh Creature would turn to stone and trap your weapon in it. Yeah. And then it would crumble a few rounds later and you get your weapon back. And that was basically his death trick. Yeah. Okay. Annoying, the, but not recoverable from. It yeah. doesn't do that. It mm. turns to stone still. Yes. No mention of trapping your weapon. Um, but it then lets out a petrifying gas. Nice. And everyone has, everyone within five feet has to make a saving throw or be restrained. So it just like farts. As, really as you badly. slowly turn to stone. I mean, wait, sorry, what? Yeah, it's a te- it's a temporary stoning, um, only for one minute. Well, you know what? If you've got the restrained condition on you, then you start restrained, and then you become petrified if you fail the second saving throw at your next turn. Wow, wow, restrained or petrified? Mm. I mean, what sort of challenge rating are these? Does it have say or half? Huh. Okay. Well, I I personally would probably want to run that by Paul Hughes. Because you would have to fail he, two DC 11 saves in a row. Hey, Russ, what was the constitution modifier of your wizard? Zero, so 50 <laughs> 50 chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a one in four chance of being permanently turned to stone. Yeah, one in, no, for one minute, not permanent. It's not permanent. Oh, okay. It's one minute, yeah. Oh, well, that's... It's, still, it's still for the rest yeah, of the yeah, encounter, yeah. though. It is, yeah. you know, one minute is ten rounds. It's uh, still a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh my yeah. god, yeah, I forget one minute is ten rounds. Fights are so yeah. fast in D&D. It must, yeah, like, yeah. cinematically just... Yeah, most fights just... are, like, 12 seconds long. Yeah, yeah. just a flurry yeah. of blades and then, like, stillness. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The rest of them seem... The rest of the Draconians seem fairly on flavour, though, from what they were mm-hmm. before. Okay. Yeah, wow. Well. I can make out. Any other highlights? Oof. Yeah. yeah, well, we're going to do it in detail next week, so I won't yeah, go... Yeah. Otherwise, we, I could right, sit here and just spend, like, the next 20 minutes just reading out bits of this book to you. That's true, spend, and I'm enjoying I, it, so I that's would, why I I would asked. sit here and listen to that quite happily. <laughs> yeah. I would. Well, we can we'd, do that next week. All right, no, that's week. something okay. to look forward to Woo! at the end yeah. of next week, next Friday. I, I'm resisting the temptation to read out Lord Soth's stats to you, so. 
Thank All right, you. next we'll week, that. next we'll week. Save that. We'll, we'll save that for next week. Okay, yeah. so other than Dragon Lance... Uh, Dragon Lance. Dragon Lance. <laughs> that was the weirdest way I could think to say that. Uh, Dragon what Lance. Else, what else has <laughs> yes. happened? What else has happened in the world of tabletop role-playing games? Well, you want more news than that? Yes, I mean, yes, yeah. yes, I did. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's... Uh, okay. I'll, I'll see what I can find, Jess, then. Okay, since you ask. How about some everyone news? Please. Ooh, go on, then. So, you know uh, Mr. Keith of Baker... So Keith of Baker mm-hmm. from the Baker family from the from the from, from the from the oh I can't, I can't <laughs> you can't oh, the Indiana Baker I can't bother with this bit at all okay <laughs> alright that's fine that's fine we'll okay. leave it you tried. tried to riff and that was important <laughs> I know so, I tried yeah. I tried yeah. <laughs> my mind just I hit the ball at you and you just dropped it I know, it. I know. I know I knock it back completely. come on I completely it dropped, dropped it. it just went bonk off the floor. Oh, exactly. on the floor. it deflated it's like one of those fumbles where you catch it and then you catch it and then it, and then it falls on the floor and then it Hudson came and stole it yeah yeah <laughs> okay like he stole our hearts anyway Keith, yeah. what's Keith Baker up to Russ <laughs> he's releasing a new Eberron source book called Chronicles of Eberron oh and um, this is going to be released on DMs Guild in PDF and print on demand format mm-hmm. in December apparently for yeah. Christmas 200 pages. Oh. Um, 5e, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know a massive amount about it. It says a diverse range of topics, lore, and advice for players and DMs, new monsters, treasures, spells, and character options. So this is the second book that he's released on DMs Guild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I can't remember what the first one was called. Something of everyone. Yeah, probably. I, um... <laughs> about a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. Mm. I like the cover uh, a lot. There's like a tabaxi woman uh, casting a spell over a spell book. She's got red magic swirling around her and is moving her hands in a weird way. Mm. A la Wanda from the MCU style. Yeah. And it looks like she's covered in like little runes as yeah, well. Yeah, and with a floating book in front of... A f- floating book in front of... Three her, like, floating uh, books for us. Three, is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. Three floating books, yeah. That's a lot of so floating books. it looks very cool. Uh, it's but- really nice art. Yeah. I mean, this will always do very, very well. Because uh, mm-hmm. Keith Baker's... I think the last Eberron book just sat at the top of DM's Guild for months. Mm. You know, did incredibly well. And well, he does write very good books. I'm one of those people that think when the creator writes a book based on the setting they created, as far as I'm concerned, that's official material. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Even if it's not officially released by the, company, the current IP owner. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. If you are an Eberron fan... I guess it's uh, you know it's a must buy. I think so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I uh, also in related news to that, uh, mm. there's a collaboration for that book with Hero Forge. So yeah, the items that are in that book are available mm. for your miniatures to make in Hero Forge. Mm. So yeah. you can make. That's cool. Um, you're saying like you I should say more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, well, you're saying the items in the book. What What do you mean? Uh, the, such as the Spark Crossbow, Thunderbolt Crossbow, Lightning oh, oh. Crossbow. Mm. I I haven't read the book, so I can't tell you all the details. No, but this is but same. But there's the whole. Pretty much, they're meant to be coming out together. Mm. Ah, so, so there's um, gear in the book that you can then put on your Hero mini Forge using character. Hero Forge. Correct. Oh, wow. So that is what I was trying to say. So yeah. that's a big leap forward for like various steampunk gubbins and other form of technological stuff on Hero Forge. So yeah, well played, well played. So. Tell me, what is your general stance on pseudo dragons? I um, 
I'm quite apathetic, if I'm honest. No. Uh, they were a key plot point in one of my campaigns. Sorry, Do you Peter. like a 14-inch foam pseudo-dragon? Basically the size of a cat? No. I think you've got quite a small cat for us, but anyway. <laughs> size of a I small cat. Quite, I have got quite a small cat, yeah. Yes. Monty, Monty would eat this thing, so okay. I, I, I'd be intrigued. Probably okay. not as quickly so, as Django or Hudson. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, it's coming out in quarter one next year. It will cost you ninety nine ninety nine. It's a life-sized pseudo-dragon, it says. It's basically about the size of an A4 book. Yeah, it fits sat on top of a, a uh, book The picture curled of it's up. got it sitting on top of a book, yeah. It does look quite cool. It does yeah. look quite cute. It's kind of curled up sleeping, so it is quite a yeah. nice prop to have on your desk. It's like, and there's mm. just my sleeping pseudo-dragon. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, for $99, I'm not sure. Maybe it was... I don't know. But it does look quite cool. And if you want one, you can pick one up next year. But it's painted at least, so there you go. It is painted. Oh yeah, it's, it's a nice. full figure, like it's all done. It's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's probably nice. Right, are we any more news? Oh, Rivers of London. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I seem to remember this was announced like years ago. Mm-hmm. It feels mm-hmm. like three or four years ago. It's been K-O-Z going on some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember they announced it at Dragon Meet one year. Oh wow! And yeah, I haven't that been like, to Dragon Meet in at least three. That years, was like so. 2019. We were there, and I think it, mm. I remember was it, seeing. Was it that year? I remember seeing stuff there about it. Well, that must have been then, then. So they announced it then. Wow. Yes. So well, finally, we've got a release date for it, finally. Oh, tell us more about the ongoing adventures of PC Peter Grant. It's uh, November the 30th, mm-hmm. which is next week. Yes. The game places the players in the roles of newly recruited members mm-hmm. of London's Metropolitan Police Service's special magic branch known as the Folly. Mm-hmm. And you solve mysteries, catch criminals, and come to grips with... Demi-Mondi? The Demi-Mond. The Demi-Mond. Yes. Those who have been irreversibly changed by magic. Yes, yes. Like, that's where you get your fairies, your goblins, and various um, half, um, half, half creatures of with a supernatural origin. Okay. That's where they chill no. out. The Demi-Mond. So it's PDF next week and no. hardcover next year. I don't hmm. have the Rivers of London books or haven't read them, but I'm guessing hmm. it's giving me vibes of kind of Torchwood... Or also, um, what am I thinking of? It's just Charles Ross's Laundry. Yes, Laundry. That was the one. Yeah, so. it's got those vibes for me. Yeah, um, I would say it's slightly different in that ultimately mm. Charlie Ross does not hold with your coppers, and Ben Aronovich does. They also have quite different attitudes towards magic in that Elisinor Stross he very much cleaves to magic is terrible stuff that will literally eat your brain which is why we have computers to do it for us, and Eldritch Horror in the Lovecraftian mythos will come your way very fast. Whereas, I'd say, you got a bit more of a touch of the Harry Potters with Ben Aronovich, in that it's all about the Romans were clearly casting spells left, right, and centre, because mm. there's a lot of magic going on. And it's all about forming the shapes in your mind and making that happen. So, you know, a touch of the right. Bulgariad there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. And, yeah. I, I I would recommend listening to it on the audiobooks because Cobner Holbrook Smith does a fantastic performance. Mm. Um, has the various characters in it. Uh, several times the bit where I've been like just trying to picture the actors involved, and then like, wait, there is only one actor involved. They're just very very good. Mm. Okay, so, yeah. What else have we got in the news? Star Trek. Yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, specifically the adventures. Uh, so they've released their new kind of adventure book, and the book is called Mysteries. Oh. Uh, and it's got 10 mysteries in, and you can play mm. them as like one-shot standalone, or you could play them together as a campaign. 
Uh, yeah, it's four original series. Yeah, it's another... I feel like we yeah. mention a Star Trek book from the Dickies each week now. Most they're coming out with quite a few of them. They do well. It's mm. a really well supported thing. I think every month they have new content for Star Trek Adventures. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think the idea is that if if you if you're playing a campaign, there's just always something new. And yeah, mm. yeah. Well, you've got like Strange New Worlds that's kicking off at the moment on mm. Paramount, I think. So, yeah. but this if um, you're a hardcore Trekkie, good mm-hmm. times. But also, this is the Mysteries book is a is on drive through RPG is a pay what you want title. And the suggested mm-hmm. price is zero dollars and zero cents. Oh, so you can. That is what I want. Yeah, like <laughs> it, I guess that's. I think they're trying to make it accessible for like almost like a hardship sort of fun st- style thing. So you, yeah. you you can pay the the usual sort of price for it if you enjoy that. But it's um it yeah, but you can also more... download it to give it a try and see what you think about Star Trek Adventures if you want. Yeah, yeah. and certainly makes it available for creators outside of the global north like those from the Global South, because Mm -hmm. they do not then have to pay outrageous currency fees and credit card fees simply to purchase a uh, book. Correct. Which adds significantly to the price, which I found very interesting. It's very interesting. Um, And the only other bit of news I have is about Vasen or Vasen. I think Vasen, but I I wouldn't swear to it. Well, what what do flasks do? There's a season of mystery adventure book being released for it. Oh, um, okay. As well. So it's the Mythic North. Um, mm. So there's a big moose on the cover. Mm. Ah, uh, that's moose. how you know you're in the North. Yes. Or moose. Yes. The Northern. Um, but yeah, so so that is available for fan of that. There's another kind of Winter's Tale kind of story in there. And yeah, it's hard to a book. And it's on Foundry as well. I, I would yeah. say that's probably an elf riding a reindeer. Uh, I, I, oh, that I is a reindeer. You're, you're probably correct. Yeah, it looks a but bit like a tiefay tiefling type thing because they've got horn. They themselves have antlers as well. Mm, but I guess yeah, I if if you want to know, off. if you want to mm. know, you can get the book and find out. Yeah, looks good. Nice. I've nice not had refer. the chance to play my copy yet. Actually, I have a copy of the main book and I haven't haven't got it to the table yet. Well, mm. you'll just have to run it for us then, won't you, Jess? We shall look forward to it. Famously, I do run lots of games. Yeah. <laughs> renowned for it yeah renowned yeah. game master that, I think that's yeah. all the news this week pretty much yeah yeah ah the Black Friday sales just in time to replace my shield and I am in sore need of a new pouch for my spell components the other day I realised I was leaving a trail of rose petals behind me New lockpicks for me. You know, ever since I snapped my Lockmaster 4000 in the, you know, Unliving Vault, I've been making do with a shoelace and a hat pin. I'm sure there will be many other bargains to snap up to. Haha! <laughs> Here we are! Oh my! Uh, that's a lot of people. Why are those two domes fighting over that lantern? Well, it is 50% off. Oh, that is a good deal. Hey, you two, give that to me. Oh, did that gnome just... I think he did. Ow! Ah, I decided I don't want the lantern after all. And it looks like you need a new codpiece. Oh, look, a half-price sale on Excaliburs. Buy three and get a free Holy Grail. Wow, the, the deals here are just incredible. Dragon lances, wing sandals, palantirs. Is... That the one ring? 
Yes, and for just 25 gold, I must have it. I've got my eye on that cloak of invisibility there. If only I can get to the head of the queue. Ow! The crowds are getting restless. I sense danger. Quick, form a defensive formation. The bargain shoppers are surrounding us. I have four toes and trolls, dragons and giants. But today I feel true fear. This is a challenge unlike any other, my friends. I fear we may not make it out alive. Even the ongoing horde of the dreaded necromancer Gargoth pales in comparison to this foe. I'd rather face the fiendish legions of Asmodeus himself. Even the greater fire Tarrasque of Skull Mountain would tremble in fear. Look, a door. We, we, we can't escape. Can you unlock it? Will this happen? Oh, if only I'd gotten those half-pressed lockpicks. I'll, I'll, I'll try. Hurry, Rogue. The situation grows dire. Nearly there. I can't hold them off much longer. Almost got it. My protective magic grows weak. Uh, there. Quick, through the door. Phew, that was close. I think we're safe now. Where are we? It says, Walmart. What's a Walmart? I don't know. But look, row upon row of discounted goods. Shining helms and burnished lanterns. Potions, rings, wands. Cloaks, daggers and... Oh, 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 Lockmaster 4000! And all at half off, my friends... We've hit the motherload. Oh, Black Friday Central. Quick, gather as much loot as you can before... Oh no! They found us. The shopping horde approaches. This is it, my friends. This has been an honour. Here they come. Could be worse. How so? Could be clowns. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right, don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now? So, we are going to talk about the open gaming license. Woo! Because, yes. last week, yeah. a video came up mm-hmm. claiming that the open gaming license would be going away. Based on an unsourced rumour, they they couldn't say who the rumour came from because they wanted to protect their sources, apparently. Yep. But basically, the rumour was that the open gaming licence would be going away with 1D&D and that there would be no way to for third parties or fans to support or create material for 1D&D or 5.5e or 6th edition or whatever you want to call it. Huh. Well, that's so, pretty ridiculous. Well, it's also not true. Yeah. if yes. you didn't know, like, 
for so, in case people don't know what the open gaming license is, what is it in a in a word? Russell? Yeah, so not that, in a word. You can have multiple. Yeah, <laughs> so that's basically my my response to that. I wrote an article mm-hmm. and I just said, look, there's a lot of people using some terms which I don't think necessarily those terms are being used correctly. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote an article just explaining what the open gaming license was and yeah. what a system reference document was mm-hmm. and how it all worked and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't really address the video or the or the, or the claim itself, really. I just said, right, yeah. these are the facts. Okay. And then, you know, you can read those facts and then you can make your own conclusions or whatever. So that's what I did. So okay. I, d- I just described what the Open Gaming License was. And the Open Gaming License was a license mm-hmm. created by Wizards of the Coast 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically an open source license or a share-alike license. Um, people who work in software are probably familiar with those sort of concepts. Mm-hmm. So there isn't, like... A 3E OGL, Open Gaming License OGL. Mm. Um, there isn't a 4E OGL or a 5E OGL. There won't be a 1D&D OGL. There's just the OGL. It's mm. a license that was created 20 years ago. Mm. Technically, there were two versions of it. There's uh, version 1 and 1.0A. But written into the license, you could use any version of the license mm-hmm. yeah. with Open Gaming Content. So, you know, it was a few tiny tweets. But, you know, there's one, eight, basically, there's an OGL. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was released, created by Wizards of the Coast, Ryan Dancy specifically, 20 years ago. Yeah. And I've interviewed Ryan a number of times about it and spoke to him about it. Mm-hmm. One of the things about the OGL is it is non-rescindable. Mm. As an open source license, it can't be cancelled and it can't be revoked. It can't be withdrawn. It can't go away. It's out. The genie is out of the bottle. That OGL exists and yes. it will forever exist. Yes. Any content released under the OGL... Mm-hmm is called open gaming content. And once something has been designated as open gaming content in the manner described by the OGL, that can never not be open gaming content again. It is forever open gaming content. It is, it's not public domain technically, but it's open source. Anyone can use it. It can't be withdrawn. So that means in practice, Wizards of the Coast can't turn around and say, oh no, we're taking out the license. No one can make D&D third party things. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. They legally cannot do that. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So, um, and this was deliberate at the time. Ryan Dancy has always said that the reason they did it was because you didn't, they didn't know what was going to happen with the D&D or mm. who would own it in the future or what would happen, what decisions companies that owned the brand would make in the future or mm. whatever, they, whatever. They wanted to make sure D&D would forever be available no matter what happened to the company, the IP owner or you know, any decisions that IP only made. Mm. It was, it was like ir- irrevocably, it is there to stay. Yeah. It can't go, it can't go away now. Mm. I, mean, I suppose the only way it could go away is just like the entire world loses interest and nobody touches it ever again. Mm. It's the only way it can go Why away. Why would you say that though? <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it can't go away. So basically open gaming content, the open gaming license describes how you designate something as open gaming content. That's fairly simple. You basically write something, you attach the open gaming license to it and you say, this is open gaming content. That's it. Done. That's open gaming content. It's really simple. I, I just, mean, you have to say which bits are yeah, your know, bits right, yeah. that you add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, you, or you could say the whole lot is or whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. you, yeah. But you have to do that. So mm. open gaming content includes, for example, um, a number of system reference documents. Mm. Now, a system reference document contains, it's just the name of the document that contains the open gaming content. Mm. Um, so there was a 3E system reference document, which contained all the rules of D&D 3E. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a 5E system reference document which contains all the rules of D&D 5E. Oh, all the rules that they're prepared to release. Yeah. There's yeah. a Pathfinder 
system reference document. Level Up's got a system reference document. Yes. Like, uh, Fate has a system reference document. Yeah. It's not even D&D based. You know, like the open gaming license has been used for all sorts of different games, not just D&D derived games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this, this is the sort of thing when you start talking about SRDs and OGLs, that mm. people's eyes glaze over and they start looking back your way yeah. slowly... Looking yeah. for an but, exit. But to, have, but, but to have the conversation, you have to understand what those two things are. Yes. yes. If you don't understand what they are, basically, and you say something like the, the OGL is going to go away, that's just not true. It can't. It's a statement without essentially meaning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, yeah. what they, they could do, what they could do is they could change the base rules of Dungeons & Dragons to the extent that the 5th edition SRD no longer applied. Right. But the problem with doing that is... Yes. If they do do that, then it's no longer going to be compatible. Yes, which would be breaking. It's the not going to be five E anymore, is it? So in, in no way could it be considered five E yeah. at that point. Yeah, you, you literally have to break compatibility to stop in order to do that. Oh. So I think we're fairly safe. And even if they did break compatibility, yeah, in the three E SRD and the five E SRD and Pathfinder's SRD and all the other SRDs out there, all of the core terminology. Mm. of D&D is included in there. Yes. Armour class, yes. pit fiend, warlock, magic missile, you know, all those words and terms which are iconic and, and which define D&D. Mm. Yes. So that means, unless they literally change it and you're, they're not using the term armour class anymore, they're not mm. using the term hit points anymore, they're yes. not using the words pit fiend or magic missile, in which case it's basically not D&D anymore. Yes. Unless they do that, you can still use all that terminology. Oh, yeah. You can still write adventures and supplements and source books for D&D. And mm. there's, you know, there's, there's nothing to stop you doing that. Yeah, yeah. The Open Games License yes. System Reference Documents, basically, some people, when they're saying the Open Gaming License is going away, they probably mean their System Reference Documents going away. And you're talking well, about the different iterations, yeah. What they probably mean is there won't be a new... 5.5 system reference document. For 1 mm. D&D. Or, yeah. or 1 D&D or 6E, whatever you want to call it. There won't be okay. a new system reference document. But as you're saying... I think probably yeah. it won't matter whether there is or not. Because of the backward compatibility with 1 D&D yeah. and 5E. Oh. It literally wouldn't matter. Well, unless that... they change it so much. But the only difference is... There, is, is one there, there are problems. Mm. Yeah. Because, for instance, we've already seen in the playtest that they are standardising, for want of a better word, some of the magic user and ranger classes. Like, they changed what levels you get various archetype abilities, the subclasses, mm. which I noted at the time would result in a lot of uh, material on, say, DMs Guild and Drive Through RPG becoming null and void because yeah. it no longer makes sense. So if they don't release a new system reference document, then that surely puts designers in a bit of a pickle, does it not? Not really, because unless you actually need to reproduce, say, the fighter class, mm, for some reason, yeah. and I can, there are circumstances where you might, if you're making some kind of online rules app, or mm. you're making spell cards, mm. or you're making something like that, you need to actually reproduce chunks of text. Yes, yeah. In that case, it is slightly different, because you won't be able to actually reproduce that. But if all you're ref- doing is referencing it, it shouldn't matter. You can still design mm. an archetype for the new... For the new fighter class, just as yeah. easily as you could for the previous fighter class, because you mm. didn't need to reproduce the actual fighter class. True. You just have to change. Your content is new. That's, That's true. the point. True. You're producing new content, not reproducing old content. Yeah. I guess part of the concerns about licensing will also come from the fact that they are essentially trying to create a technological walled garden. See, that's a different thing. That is so, a different point. Yeah. yeah. So why they can't, why they can't 
stop people legally mm. publishing material. Yeah. They can make it so that there's not much point to it because mm. people won't buy it. Yeah. And we had that in 4A. And we mm. went through that in 4A. Mm-hmm. They yeah. had a character builder. Mm-hmm. The, the character builder became so ubiquitous that everybody used it for their characters. Nobody used pen and paper for 4E characters. Everyone used mm. a character builder. If you try to publish payout options mm-hmm. for 4E, mm. people wouldn't buy them because mm. they weren't in the character, in Wizards of the Coast character builder. Right. I, okay. I wonder if things are going that way with 5E with D&D Beyond. Well, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the possibility. Because they've got control over three things. Mm-hmm. Yes. At the moment. Yeah. They've got control over the DM's Guild. Yeah. They've got control over D&D Beyond yeah. and whatever character builder type stuff is associated with that. Mm-hmm. And they've got control over their new virtual tabletop they're making that they've previewed a little bit off recently. Yeah. So those three things, mm-hmm. if you can't put third-party content on those three things, yeah. that would effectively make third-party content a lot harder to sell. Yeah. I mean... I don't know the exact ins and outs, but mm. I guess Wizards of the Coast... Like, on the one hand, Wizards of the Coast would be idiots to get rid of third-party content. So I don't think it will. They'll keep DMs Guild around. I reckon that's a really good revenue stream for them, you know? Well, well, exactly. It's like, but how greedy are they going to get, is the question. Because it is the nature of corporations to maximise profit. Yeah. That's... Currently, Drive for mm. RPG and... Uh, one bookshelf, sorry, uh, to give them a proper name, and Wizards of the Coast take 50% of the sales price. Yeah, that's a lot, yeah. Uh, I mean, is that a lot? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Um, and then out of that remaining 50%, that is where you're supposed to extract your profit uh, as a creator. Yeah, but then again, it is similar to what you get when you try to sell books into distribution. They take 50% yeah. or more. Sixty percent sometimes. Solitators, so it's yeah. It's not. It's it's not an untypical royalty rate. It's not nice. It's not good. And um, you know, everyone wishes to royalty rates were less, but mm. it is similar to if we're sending a book into distribution, mm-hmm. we're losing at least fifty yeah. percent straight right away before anything else happens. Yes. So it does. It does. It does. It is kind of a typical amount. Um, it well, happening on on digital books. Is there anything to stop them from raising it? Is my question. What if they said, you know what would be good? 90% would be good. I mean, I'd have to look at the contract, Mm. whether they can retroactively do that with books that you've got on there. But but for new content? Yeah, I don't know. Mm. But they have have made a statement going about this. Yeah. I didn't think they were going to, actually. I'm surprised they said anything. So I think it, you know... There's been a lot of very scared people who do not understand what is going on. Yeah, well, I, I... I, I mean, I mean, basically, like, I don't know, three years ago, as a fan, I would also have been like, oh, I don't know, seems mm. legit to me. It's only because yeah. you've been very patient and sat down and used little words and the occasional explanatory diagram to explain it to me that mm. I'm even vaguely on board. The occasional well, diagram. This is, what, this, is, this is what they said. Hey, don't knock the excited <laughs> diagrams. They're super helpful. Okay. <laughs> so, say so. We will continue to support mm-hmm. the thousands of creators making third-party content, D&D content, with the release of one D&D in 2024. Mm. While it is certain our open game license will continue to evolve, just as it has since its inception, we're too early in the development of one D&D to give more specifics on the OGL or the system reference document at this time. Yeah. Now, it's not a very detailed statement, to be fair. It's pretty much just... 
Oh, that, there's no information to be given. Yeah. That does yeah. imply to me that there will be a one D&D system reference document, though. Yeah. But they're just saying yeah. we can't give details on it, because, of course, if they haven't finalised the rules, what, what are they going to... Yeah, gonna, I mean, I don't know, know what it means. They'd they have to the write OGL... it first, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they'd have to write, yeah. yeah. Well, they say the OGL will continue to evolve, yeah. which is interesting, because um, I'm not sure what that means, because, I mean, this is actually written into the licence itself. Hmm. What happens when the OGL evolves and what happens when there's new versions of the OGL released? Mm. It's specifically written into the license. It says that you can still use the old versions of it. Nice. Even with new content mm-hmm. released under a newer version. So the words it says is wizards or its designated agents may publish updated versions of this license. Mm-hmm. You may use any authorized version of this license to copy, modify it and distribute any open gaming content originally distributed under any version of this license. Mm. So even if they made a brand new version of the OGL mm. and then released 5.5e content under that under that OGL, you could still use the existing OGL because it's a version of that license. Does that make sense? Yes. According to the terms of the OGL itself. Yeah, yeah. The only way they could do that is make an entirely different license, not called the OGL, which mm. they tried to with 4, 4e, called the Game System License, the GSL, which yeah. was very unpopular and didn't work out for anybody. Yeah. Um, I can't even find can... online copies of that thing anymore. I can only GSL. find pe- I can only find people complaining about it. Um, if you look inside any 4e book, yes, third party book, if you can find one, it'll be in there. Mm. find a PDF 4e PDF somewhere. It'll yeah. be in the back of that. Okay, that's the only uh, yeah. that's the only place I can think of you'd find it. Though. Yeah, certainly not certainly not readily available online except yeah. for in 4e yeah. material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's the, that's kind of the situation at the moment. I mean. Wizard of the Coast is kind of a non-answer, but I wouldn't expect them to say that much at this stage. No, no. And, you know, the OGL isn't going to go away. People no. aren't going to stop being able to produce third-party content for D&D. D&D 5e is going to be compatible with D&D 5.5 or 1D&D, or whatever it's called. I would say that actually it's entirely possible for more content creators to become involved in the market. Mm. Because things like 3D models, animators... Suddenly, mm. they are joining into the market. So, yeah, that's mm. like a lot of people who are going to be bringing their skills to TTRPGs, which previously had, had that much need for them, if mm. at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I think that kind of clears up, really. I mean, there's not an awful lot else to say about it. It's just that generally the some of the sort of fear-mongering that's been going around and people repeating stuff that, as far as I can make out, has come from one single unsourced rumour yeah. You know. Well, it's like they've announced two years before they're actually going to do it, and people have seen their sales plummet. And quite frankly, I think there's also a lot of catastrophizing going on due mm. to the state of the world, which we won't go into, but, yeah, yeah. you know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, was there anything, any questions that either of you two have about it? I mean, because mm. I've uh, published using these licenses for over 20 years now, and, you know, you're, you're about as familiar with them as you can get. I mean, yeah. Working for a publish, publisher that does this sort of thing, I'm not worried about it, so I don't know if that says anything. Like, at mm. EM Publishing, we're not we're not stressed about this. <laughs> Is that fair to say? It's like, we'll see what happens because mm. it will affect us, but yeah. I don't... I mean, we, have, you know. we have talked about it, mm. but, we, yeah, we're not panicking. Yeah, so... No. So there are, there are some other things people have been saying. They're saying that Wizards of the Coast has to be careful because otherwise mm. a new Pathfinder will happen. And some people mm. even suggested level up is that thing. It's not, and no. um, there's reasons for that. Yeah, yeah. So, when when Pathfinder happened, mm. it was a perfect storm of various things, which isn't repeating itself here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, what happened was, 
Pfizer was very well established. Pfizer was a very well established, fairly big third party company Mm -hmm. with the licenses for Dragon and Dungeon magazine had like a hundred thousand, I don't know how many subscribers to those Mm. big magazines. Mm. Um, you know, they were doing the official Star Wars RPG content as well, magazine thing. Mm -hmm. And when Wizard of the Coast ended that license with them, they kind of thought, okay, this is a problem. What are we going to do now? They looked at the 4E, because the reason that ended was because 4E was coming. They looked at the 4E game system license, the new GSL, mm-hmm. decided they didn't want to publish under that. Mm-hmm. So they decided, okay, open gaming license exists. We're going to make our own version of D&D 3.5 called Pathfinder, because they already had an adventure line called Pathfinder modules. Mm-hmm. We're going to call it the Pathfinder role-playing game and just go from there. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason someone else can't do that is because they had those 100,000 subscribers, or however many it was, from Dragon and Dungeon Magazine, and they were able to keep those subscribers and switch them over from Dragon and Dungeon Magazine to Pathfinder, with permission, of course, but most most of them, or at least a big bunch of them, when asked, just went, yeah, okay, you know, fine, just switch it over and I'll see what this new Pathfinder thing looks like. Mm. So basically, they started off with a massive, massive, massive advantage of having... 100,000 D&D customers on their books mm. willing to carry on with their Pathfinder game mm. on a subscription, an actual oh. subscription that they already had paying monthly. Yeah, yeah. And that was a massive benefit which nobody has now. Yeah. So even if all the other things were true, that thing is not true. Yeah. And also they were like a big company of very talented people, a lot of whom used to work at TSR or Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. You know... There aren't. There isn't another company like it. No. Yeah. And, and like again, the market was actually much smaller. So that hundred thousand, whilst a huge number, actually represented an even bigger amount of what, yeah, we, yeah. Of what we were thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a couple of people have suggested that if anyone could do it, it would be Critical Role's Darrington Press. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone could do mm-hmm. it, if they released a Critical Role RPG, which is basically their own version of Five E. Yeah. And I suppose if anyone could, I I guess they're probably the only ones that could. But I don't think even that is possible. Not 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 even close to. But they'd be the closest to being able to if, if someone did try. Mm. So yeah, I don't think there's going to be a new Pathfinder coming up. There'll probably be a whole bunch. There would probably would be a whole bunch of smaller games, but not one big one which pretty much dominated the market. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like the market would uh, fragment to a certain yeah, extent. Much, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm. of course, this is all speculation. We don't know for sure. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that does bring to mind the instance in, what was it, 2019? Mm. Uh, if you recall, Frylock's one stop stat blocks, mm-hmm. um, which uh, essentially, as we covered at the time, included Frylock had written out some stat blocks so that they were a bit easier to read. Mm-hmm. And then Wizard of the Coast threatened to sue him for copyright infringement, mm. which caused a bit of a stir because game yeah. mechanics cannot be copyrighted. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing with the OGL is technically mm. you don't need it. Mm-hmm. What it is, it's a, it's a very simple license for people like us who aren't mm. lawyers mm. or co- who who can't afford to recruit lawyers mm-hmm. to check through all this stuff. They're where we know we're safe. We can use this license and we know we're safe. It's a safe harbour, basically, is the term they, that gets bandied around. Mm-hmm. Um, we give up a couple of rights. 
basically we agree that certain stuff is Wizards of the Coast product identity and in exchange we get to use all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a safe harbour, it's a contract, it's nothing to do with copyright law. Mm. But you can publish for D&D mm. without an open gaming license. I mean, you can make an app, a, a charger for an iPhone without mm. Apple's permission. You don't need yeah. permission to make yeah. something compatible with a brand yeah. at all. No, no. Um, you just have to know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And someone like Frylock obviously is a lawyer and knows what he's doing. Mm. I'm not sure I would risk doing that myself because I'm not a lawyer. And as your no, business no. manager, I would not advise you to. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he felt confident doing so. He, mm. he knew the law. Mm. Yeah, like, he went ahead and did it, and it was fine. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, there don't appear to have been any developments since. No, it sounds like Wizards of the Coast just let it go. Yeah, because Frylock has turned around and said, "Uh uh-uh, and very publicly said, you know, if you're going to come after me, then okay, we're going to do this in public. Let's see what happens." Yeah, yeah. And I think they just decided probably like it wasn't worth the PR. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, oh, it's terrible. Anything uh, else? Yeah, yeah. The giant corporation goes to bully one um, man in America. Who was probably right? Yeah, <laughs> it was probably yeah. right. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. yeah, that 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 seems like the sort of thing that would that really does seem like a lot more hassle than it's worth. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you know, you don't want to use the open game license. You can just get the copyright law route, and mm-hmm. as long as you know what you're doing, you'll be fine. Yeah. Also, I think using the open gaming license feels less underhanded. It feels like you're not trying to get away with something. It's like. This is fine. Do you know? I don't think mm. legally making stuff compatible yeah. with something that you're legally allowed to do deliberately because the law's set up to let you legally yeah. do that because that's how society feels these things should work. I know. Is underhand. It's not, no. but it, you know, I know it's legal, but it still feels like a bit of a dick move, you know? I don't think it is. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's Like, a dick it's move. not uh, illegal for me to leave my trolley at the supermarket in front of your car that you're already in about to drive off. It's not illegal. Kind yeah, of I don't, a bit. I don't, I don't think, think that's it's... the same analogy, though, because you're know, inconveniencing yeah. someone like that, whereas me making a stat block for D&D using copyright law rather than the OGL isn't inconveniencing anybody. Maybe right. that's true. Away from that's true. So. Well, I will say that I find, actually, you know, as part of having to produce these products using it, Actually, this having to read it as opposed to saying, oh, this is not game, mechanics or flavour, I will ignore it. Mm. Actually having to read it, I was like, oh, actually, okay, this is quite cool. This is quite respectful mm. because it mentions by name a lot of the original creators mm. um, and sort of credits them as being inspirations for stuff that you're doing. So, yeah, mm. I think that's quite good, actually. Yeah. 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 And obviously there's like, I guess, I guess the things that we're really interested in then are system resource documents. Reference documents, yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so some reference documents. And these are... Documents containing the game rules. Yes. Well, that's the thing. They don't contain all of the game rules. <laughs> they don't need to. No, no, they don't. They contain all the game rules that people will let you have access to. Well, even access to, just uh, not a term I would use. Okay. Right. So it's got like one fee, I think. Is, am I correct? One Grappler. fee in... Yes. Yeah, it's got one fee. The thing is, you don't need the text of all the fees. No, no. Unless the only reason you would need a text of all of these is if you were planning on reproducing that text in some way. Mm-hmm. So f- for certain instances, yes, if you are making a online app, which was a rules lookup thing, or you're making right. feet cards or something. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. In that case, you're a bit smooth. You can't, you can't yeah. really do that. Mm-hmm. But if you are writing an adventure or writing mm-hmm. new feats or mm-hmm. writing monsters or any of the other stuff that third party publishers do, you don't need to text of those feats to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't need to reproduce the text of the feats, do you? You just have to refer to them. 
Yeah, I, I was just wondering if you had any ideas as to why certain things were missing. Like, you know, um, the feats are missing, like Hex is missing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I uh, can't... No, Hex is there, Hunter's Mark. Uh, it just seems like a curious yeah. I choice. don't know. I don't. I don't know why some things are missing. I mean, in the original system reference document for three point five, mm-hmm. they left out things like I think it was the XP progression table. Mm. So the idea was you couldn't just reprint the system reference document legally, mm. put it in a book, and sell it in a shop yeah. because the game technically wouldn't work because mm. you're missing that core piece of information, the XP progression table. So mm. people wouldn't know how to level up. Yes. Um, so that was deliberate, and that's why they did that. And mm. I, I suspect it's similar. They leave out little bits like that, mm. or stuff like that. So you can't just literally take the system reference document, mm. bind it, print it, send it, send it to a printing company, print it, stick it in shops, and sell undercut Wizards of the Ghost for the mm. cheap version of D&D. Maybe. Because it will be missing certain bits of information that you need right, to right. play. I, that right. is my suspicion, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you why. Okay. Yeah, but that doesn't stop you making stuff compatible with it in the slightest, or even slow you down. Mm, mm, mm. It just stops yeah. you doing that. It's a it's a it's a speed bump of a sort. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. And you can rewrite those bloody things in your own words anyway. Yeah, like um, we did for Level Up. I cannot. Well, well sometimes it seems kind of necessary, mm. like rod of absorb absorption that needed quite some clarification. Yeah. Yeah. Just a just one thing that sprang to mind has yeah, been. Yeah, but that was also one challenging. of the aims of us. Us there was to have a fully functional five E SRD out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. With uh, all the feats and all the spells and all the stuff. Yeah, up I mean, there. I, so, I, I do. I do try and let people know about the SRD because if you're designing even for basic fifth edition, mm. it's a lot easier doing it in advance. <laughs> yeah, but even if you just wanted to design for fifth edition, you could use our versions of the feats because they're. Pretty much the same, just yeah. in our own words. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, it's hard to imagine what you'd need them for, but uh, yeah, mm. they exist. And I'm like, oh, well, this is very handy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so there's a fully functional 5 SRD up there with all the missing bits in it. Yes, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I guess um, the other thing that springs to mind is, I, I recall since A5E came out, there's been a lot of complaints about copyright infringement, which... Obviously, it's not correct, but it's just like things like people saying, "Oh, well, the the what's it? The moderators of our forum have written to wizards and asked, is this copyright infringing or not?" In, Which, reference, in context to what? Sorry. In, in reference to Advanced Fifth Edition, can oh. can can people advertise and use Advanced Fifth Edition? And that sort of thing, I've seen commented. Well, and quite just, frankly, that, no offense, that's just stupid. Yeah, basic. <laughs> I mean, I can't even bother to answer that. I mean, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically, there's, there's a lot of it going around there. It's just due to yeah. general ignorance, really. That's not, yeah. that's yeah. not how that's, it is. Well. That's, just un, that's just uninformed. That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, it's that's not that's copyright infringement. It's using a license which Wizard of the Coast themselves published yeah, for yeah. our use. Yeah. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, and, no, it's, and, it's, and the intention of that license was so people can do exactly what we did with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, I thought there might be some more mileage in that, but quite frankly, yeah, I, I, no, I, I think we're pretty much done with it, yeah. really. It's, it's, yeah. It's pretty simple, to be fair. It sounds complicated. The Open Gaming License gives you a legal framework to let you do that. Mm. Apart from the existing copyright format, the things that you shouldn't copy are generally called out by wizards, specifically in reference their system reference document. Yeah, there, like, yeah there's, there's literally a list of... Uh, there's probably about 20 or 30 terms. I can't remember what they are yeah. offhand. But uh, uh, the, 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 the title of the game. 
Dungeon Ma- yeah. uh, Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and Beholders. And there's a, there's a yeah. list. There's, they, they, there's like 20 or 30 things you can't say. Yeah, if you're seeing it in the Dungeons and Dragons film that comes out next year, you're like, oh, that's a weird beastie. That's probably co- that's probably Wizards Intellectual Property, and you can't have that. Yeah, <laughs> smart, yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. yeah, literally, as long as, as long as yeah, it, there's there's a list of twenty or thirty things you just don't yeah. say those words. Yeah, and you're fine. Instead of Dungeon Master, say Games Master or yeah, narrator if you prefer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, I think we probably have covered that then. Yeah, we? yeah. exhausting as best, as best we can. I mean, it does involve an awful lot of speculation on Wizards' plans and stuff. We literally don't know. Yeah, and they are keeping their cards. You know, tight to their chest right now, which does not surprise me in the scientists. Yeah. Anyway, on that point, so yeah, shall we get out of here? Yeah. Let's, let's go. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. And terms which are iconic and, and which define D&D. Mm. Is your dog playing my tap show? He's chasing his own tail. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Why has he got no, a top hat and cane? <laughs> thank you. So I much didn't for that. know you could find dog sized spats, but here <laughs> we are. <laughs>